0: Today on the show I've got a special guest. We bring back the most popular interview in radical personal finance history. We bring back Curtis Stone, the urban farmer extraordinaire. He's the guy who, remember, profits 80,000 bucks farming a third of an acre. Pretty cool. But even more cool is he claims he can actually teach anybody to do it. <laughs> if my memory is correct, he claims he can teach anybody How to take a $5,000 investment and turn it into $50,000 in about a year or so. I guess I probably should have said, though, uh, for clarity... With a lot of hard work involved. <laughs> Good morning. This is Joshua Sheets. Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 27, 2015. Welcome to the show. Curtis Stone is back, and this one's fun. Perhaps not quite as much grit as we wanted to, but a lot of interesting conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. When we started off, we intended to kick it off and really present, prevent, uh, blah, 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 present to you a blueprint of basically how you can follow in his footsteps and build your own urban farm with some practical steps. And that's where the interview started. It wound up being much more business-minded, much more philosophy-minded, much more of – Basically, just a conversation between two people. We've never met, but uh, we seem to have a lot in common, and it's pretty fun. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's not ranting. Uh, but it is a lot of philosophy and I thought it was just really interesting what came out in the conversation. Uh, If you've not heard, as I say uh, in just a moment, if you've not heard the previous episode with Curtis, make sure to go back and listen to that first. In short, his story is that he set off and was was a fairly idealistic uh, man in his youth and then he went out and decided he was going to start farming and he looked at different ways. He thought about getting involved in agriculture and various methods, but ultimately he hit on the idea of uh, becoming an urban farmer. And he started with spin farming and he's since developed his own approach, I guess. And he's started to transition. Uh, he's learned a lot over the last five years, but runs a very small, very efficient, debt-free farm, farming right in the middle of the city on borrowed backyards, basically, selling to his neighbors. And he run, runs a very efficient, very productive business. Go back and listen to the previous episode if you haven't. Uh, that would be a good step. It would be episode 40, and then welcome to the interview. Curtis, welcome back to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. I appreciate your coming back
1: really
0: happy to be here. <laughs> so I don't know whether you're surprised or I'm surprised, but you know, here I am, Mr. Fancy Pants Financial Planner. I figure at my most popular show is going to be, you know, one of my brilliant financial strategies and one of my in-depth teachings on the intricacies of how to how to exploit all the little loopholes in the law to <laughs> to improve and your episode, our interview by far is my is the most uh popular show I've ever done has been downloaded almost 19,000 times and just the most response of any of the shows that I've done by a wide margin so congratulations you're officially the most popular guest on the Radical Personal Finance podcast
1: wow thank you that's that's amazing
0: Well, that and you know, four four dollars and fifty eight cents might get you a a, a cup of coffee at Starbucks. So, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I know the interview, and if anyone hasn't heard it, I would recommend prior to this interview because we're going to kind of build on the last one. Go back and listen to it, and episode 40. So you can find it at radicalpersonalfinance.com slash uh, four zero. The title was making 80,000 bucks on a third of an acre with an urban farm without owning land. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of your story. So I don't want to spend a lot of time going back through that. I'm just going to ask if anyone hasn't heard it, go back and listen to how Curtis um, starts his, you know, how he, he borrows and rents all of his Backyards in the middle of the city, on which he farms and has a small and profitable operation. It's it's well worth listening to. It's episode forty. Listen to that before this show. Uh, but I want to build on that and just simply say I have heard from many, from several uh, aspects of uh, several listeners who your show just really was a transformative, eye-opening experience for them. And several of them are trying to are are following in your footsteps. And so what I'd love to do today is is kind of build on that and give some ideas for how people can can grow
1: yeah that sounds great
0: i'll give you one example uh just that i pulled up i received this a uh, couple of weeks ago from a listener and listener is in kansas city and he says you know <laughs> i was asking about their goals i've been doing some listener polling a little bit recently and he said uh you know that my goals have changed since I was introduced to Curtis Stone through your your podcast. So while we're focused on keeping and growing our current in- incomes, we're only going to be investing in our 401ks up to the match. And then we are going to be investing excess funds in time into a farming or gardening business. We won't be taking on any debt or dipping into our emergency fund as long as we're both fully employed, no matter how good or bad the farming is going. And I'm going to sell at least $3,000 of food in 2015. I'm not worrying about 401ks. Uh, I'm focusing on building up this uh, this new business. So you got at least one. I've received other emails oh. from listeners that I didn't pull up that, that it's making an impact, which it must make your heart feel good.
1: Oh, totally. And I to be honest i've been hearing a lot of that stuff lately i've uh i've gone out done a lot of press and uh, especially over the last year and it's been incredible the response and i mean nothing tells you more than uh you know you're on the right path when um you're having success in your own personal life but you're also helping people improve their lives and uh that's yeah that's that's what it's all about i mean I, i i wish more people could tune into that and and uh do the same thing themselves.
0: Yeah, it's been, I mean, since I released the show, and I know one of the things we'll make sure to give details on at the end, but wanted to get you on before your Florida tour. You're coming to Florida, and you're doing a, a tour of, uh, well, let's start with that, and then we'll get into the meat. So you're coming to Florida, and you're doing a tour in Orlando and Gainesville?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually leaving for Florida tomorrow, so Tuesday I'll be there tomorrow night. Right. We have a evening lecture that's free in Gainesville on January 28th, It's about two hours, and there'll be some question and answer stuff. And then we've got a, uh, the next day, in the 29th, we've got a a full-day workshop in Gainesville. And then um, the 31st until February 1st, we've got a two-day workshop in Orlando. And uh, then right after that, I head over to Long Beach, California, and I've got a couple more uh, U.S. dates in there as well.
0: Awesome. And this is going to be cool. And I know if if people, I I probably shouldn't have put it up here at the front, but but if listeners haven't um, heard the previous, it's not going to be, Relevant for them, but uh, I know I've got a friend. We're going to at some point get you here to West Palm. I've got a friend that I've been working with locally, who we're trying to build out some of the local food infrastructure in in West Palm. And I've got more ideas than than ability than, than bandwidth to do it right now. <laughs> but I'm at least going to try to do that. I mean, if I can, I'm going to get. Up, I'm not sure if I will, but I'm gonna, if I can, I'm going to get up to Orlando to um, uh, to see you. If I can, yeah, that'd Come be great. Up. We'll see. So let's get started. So let's use this ex- this example listener of mine from. Kansas City 31 years old husband father of of a beautiful 13 month old girl and he's trying to get started with urban farming and let's use him as a an avatar as a proxy for our listener if somebody is interested in following in your footsteps and building out um, an urban farm you've got the experience now and you made a lot of mistakes where do we start and how do we go about building that type of of uh, of enterprise
1: well, you know, there's there's some things, there's a lot of things that I teach people, obviously, but you know, the, some things that I've realized um, recently, even in my own personal life, is to kind of start with a little bit of the the personal motivation on people's end, and there's uh, there's five pieces of advice I I usually give all of my um, people that attend my lectures and workshops before they before you start looking at all the details to go step by step through the process because it seem, it can seem daunting. And then, you know, people will hear me on this show or they'll come to my lectures and people will often say to me, wow, this is so cool. I've, I've never been so excited about something, but man, you must just be really talented at this. And what about the average person? How, how can, can this work for the average person? And I, I say, usually I just say, like, stop right there immediately. Don't put me on a pedestal. <laughs> Don't put yourself beneath me. Don't put yourself beneath anybody. Number one, you got to believe in yourself because unless you're ready to, unless you can do that, all of these things will seem daunting. And I got to tell you, Josh, like when I started this, I was totally daunted and I was totally burnt out and I made so many ridiculous mistakes that, um, you know, I felt embarrassed when I would tell other farmers about things that I was doing. You know, it, right. it, it was it was a joke. But the thing that I that I learned over time is you got to fake it till you make it. You got to just put one foot in front of the other and just give her all you got and when you do that when you start going in motion and you start having little small successes here and there people will really start to push you along cuz the, cuz they'll see what you're doing and then they'll get inspired and then they'll want to help you and you know you make if you make it easy for your um, make it easy for people to help you then you'll have people in your neighborhood and community helping you all the time and so that was one thing that was huge for me was just like believe in yourself You know, there's some other things too that I think are really important for people getting started. Is is follow the path of least resistance. And so I mean, what I mean by that is that if you keep running into roadblocks with certain things, then be more like water and flow like water. Water doesn't push its way through things; it works around. And so, you know, a lot of people in my sector come in with big ideological plans, like I want to. You know, it's it's the whole save the world mentality, which is good. And I, I I have that myself. But you gotta kind of put your ideology in your back pocket a little bit for a while, and just get some small successes. Because if you say, "Okay, I want to go to living off the grid, growing all my own food, producing all my own energy, all this kind of stuff," I want to make my own um, biofuel or whatever it is. You know, start with something simple and and get some successes and move forward. And 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 don't just like shoot for these big ideas and then you know be discouraged because it just seems so it's so daunting so just like start small you know
0: It's that one is <laughs> that one's my disease and it's so uh, convicting for me i you know i'm very much a big picture so i love you know i've got i've got my little property here in west palm it's about a half acre and i just think like oh i could transform this thing into a tropical paradise and i could do i could do this and that and i've got everything worked out in my mind but in the meantime, as I sit here, I look out my window and my garden bed, my little four foot by eight foot poor little garden bed is chock full of weeds. It's completely neglected this entire it's winter. Yeah. Winter is our growing season. And every single day I sit here just like hustling like crazy, trying to build, uh, you know, trying to build this new business, trying to build the show, trying to get all the things that, you know, keep all my balls in the air that I'm trying to do. In the meantime, I look out there and I see this puny little four by eight foot garden bed full of weeds, not Planted, missing my entire growing season because I'm working from sun up till sundown. <laughs> and so- well, and
1: that, that's it, right? And, and that and that's where people often fail, and that's where I failed. Is when right. I started, I took on way too much, and it was just like trying to balance a hundred things at once. And then I just I just had hard time getting ahead because what I what I one thing I've learned is. Uh, at least for myself, is multitasking is a joke. Like multitasking is this thing that everybody thinks that they they should do because we live in this culture of, you know, be busy, have lots of stuff going on, but it's like you just have so many things, you're balancing so many things at once, you just can't get any particular thing done and done really well. So I think it's like important to set these goals and achieve a goal and then move on to the next one. But don't move on to the next one until you get one done and so it's, you know, kind of working through these things, and maybe, maybe in your case, it's like, you know, have a small garden and just make that happen, right. and, and forget everything else. But just make that one happen. Get some successes there, learn some knowledge, get that feedback loop with uh, the natural environment that you're in, and um, and just go from there. Then go on to the next thing.
0: Right. Yeah. I pretty much decided that the only way it's going to get done is a. If I, I have simply chosen that I can't do it all, and I've got to get some uh, some other stuff squared away but I've just the big one that gets to me is the daylight, and you know I get to the end of the day around five six o'clock, and I'm ready to quit, and then it's dark, and so I've just got to readjust my schedule and go out at noon, <laughs> yeah, and work in the garden at noon for thirty minutes or something, just do thirty minutes, get away from the computer, get away from the work and 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 plant and harvest some vegetables
1: <laughs> yeah i uh, th- I think it's you know i I've been trying to just Change my my morning routine as well and i i listen to uh you know pat flynn the smart passive income nice. and you know i um some of these other guys that talk about how important a, mo- a morning routine is you know and and so one thing i've been trying to get into is i i get up um and for the first four hours i don't read emails i don't i don't get distracted by things i just get into what i'm doing and th- i try to involve exercise into that so, I mean, right now, I've got a foot of snow on the ground. It's starting to melt now, finally. But, um, you know, I set my bike trainer up in my in my living room and I get on my bike for a while. And one thing that's the best, though, is if the weather's kind of nice, is to go outside and just be outside for a bit and just get your hands in the dirt or just feel connected and then come back and for me, I mean, I'm working on a, a bunch of different stuff right now. I've got a, a book coming out on a, pub, a major publishing house next or this fall, and I've got a online course called Profitable Urban Farming coming out next month. And um, I've been working on a computer for like ever since the fall, and I'm sure, you, you know, similar to, uh, right. case to you, but I find I've got to gotta break my day up. And when I'm on a computer for you know 12 hours of the day, I gotta like every couple hours, I gotta get up and do something. I, I built myself a stand up desk, so that's Good for you, that's helped. Um, but uh, you know, just get outside and just do something with my hands. And I often find that my creativity really comes out when I'm doing something with my hands. And sometimes I'll just sit at the computer screen and stare at it for an hour and not write a word. <laughs> and then some days I'll write 7,000 words in a day, but it's like I gotta break it up and get outside and active.
0: So what would be the type of goal that you would encourage someone to set? Would it be like my listener said, I want to make three thousand dollars in two thousand fifteen? Would you start with a monetary goal? Would you start with a goal crafted differently? How would you how would you apply that to well, your business?
1: Yeah, I, that's a great question. I, I think really if before you make goals, you gotta figure out I mean, what's your outcome? Like what what are you looking to do with this? Are you looking to be a farmer so you can kind of take control of your family's uh, you know, nutritional intake? Are you somebody who wants to start transitioning to making a living as a farmer? Um, you know, first paint out what that is. Set, set um, those, those targets to be like, yeah, what does this look for me? And, and so let's just say, for example, if it is I want to make a living at this, then, um, you know, depending on your situation. I mean, when I, when I started farming, I, went, I jumped right in with both feet. I took a huge risk. Um, but some, some people aren't willing to do that. so I think if, if, and, and, and some and if they're not, maybe they're in a better situation where they don't have to. if you if you can hold your day job for a while and transition into something, set a monetary goal. Like say say um, you know you've got a quarter acre in production or that you can set up into production, that's a good place to start. I think a quarter acre is the most amount of land that anybody who's gonna start doing farming should start with if you don't have uh, any previous experience. And just say okay, the main goal here is let's um we'll keep our day jobs we'll work on this on the weekends and maybe two or three hours a day. We'll um do a farmer's market once a month or something like that to, and then set set a goal like let's let's try to make five thousand dollars from the farm this year and uh, you know that can subsidize our income a little bit and then then we'll scale it up the next year and then maybe you can start tr- uh, scaling your your hours back at your previous job or maybe just go for it i th- I, I think there's a lot of benefit in just jumping in and taking the risk because humans are incredibly adaptable. Right. I mean, we are resilient creatures. We've, we've survived on this planet for a long time now. And we've, sur- we've gone through all kinds of atrocities, uh, natural disasters. Is right. uh, when, when we have to make things happen, we make it happen. And I think everybody has that ability in them. And I don't believe anybody when they says they, they, they don't. Because, you know, when it comes to survival, you're gonna survive, and I'm not. I'm not suggesting you go and, you know, throw everything on the line sure. or even do it the way I did. But um, you know, take some risks. Put put you know, put yourself in a, a little bit of a position where it's like, yeah, okay, we're taking this seriously. This isn't just uh, Mickey Mouse and around. This is this this is serious business. Even if it's like, okay, like a modest goal. Let's make a few thousand dollars from the garden this year. And let's 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 do a farmers market once a month. Let's let's talk to a couple a restaurant or two, and and, and just and just see what what kind of stuff we can sell and get and get things going that way.
0: Well, the reality is also. Much of the challenge is in making the decision to do something. It's, oh, huge! If you think about, I like to interview people that that go off on big trips and go off on a sailing adventure, and I have, I don't remember where this came from. I think it was a book, and the guy was saying the biggest the decision to you know the biggest decision is the one that's done two years before, uh, two years before when you decide I'm going to go sail around the world, and that's made two years before you leave. After yeah. that, it's just a process of of going through things, and exactly. I think even in my own own life, whether it's the decision to uh, to get married or to leave a job and start a business or to to leave a business and get a job, whatever it is, the hard thing is the decision. That's where all the stress is. Once the decision is made, it's just simply a matter of step one, step two, step three, and then not quitting when things go wrong. Yes, and, and making the decision as long as you give yourself permission to basically screw it all up, it's okay. You're going to get through it. You're going to learn you you can't have that fear hold you back so in some ways just kind of jumping and holding your nose and going in overcomes the fear, and then you're in it, and then you'll, you'll figure it out as you go through. <laughs>
1: That's exactly it. I mean, the first step is the hardest, but every step after that gets easier. And the fear thing, exactly, I mean, one thing I've really learned over the last couple of years is that I make a decision. It's most often a subconscious decision, but I make it every morning I wake up. I decide, am I going to live in fear and scarcity, or am I going to live in joy and abundance, or like sort of fear versus love? Which way am I going to go? And when you go the fear versus, or the, the the fear and scarcity road, that attracts fear and scarcity. It's like you know misery loves company. You if you dwell on on negative things, you'll attract negative things. But then you go the other way, and you focus on positive things. Eliminate negative thoughts from your mind, at least for the long term. You know negative thoughts will pop up from time to time, but but be aware of them and think positive and. And be kind, smile to people. And it's amazing how your life will change. People will smile at you. People will want to help you if you help them. And, it, you know, it's it's just it's just incredible how just your outlook will change most of the things in your life. Then your actions will really start to have a snowballing effect. And that's what it's been for me. I mean, it's, it's so cool to be providing for people's basic needs in a community. I mean, that's what I love about being a farmer is that... When it, when, it, when it really comes down to it, I'm just growing food for people. It's simple. People can relate to it. It crosses cultural barriers. It crosses socioeconomic barriers. I'm a guy who's supplying food in my community. And, you know, I think we probably talked a little bit about this in the previous show, but, you know, we don't have that anymore. We don't, like, 80 years ago, um, 25% of the people in the U.S. and Canada were farmers, 25%. And we don't have that anymore. You know, when when my grandfather was a kid, they they were uh, a mixed farm, and they would if they things that they needed they got from the people around them for the most part. Nowadays everything's centralized. It's either uh, I can get pretty much everything I want at Walmart, or it's like if I, if I can't get it, well then I got a welfare check come in or something like that. I mean, it's when you're when you're when, when a society is completely dependent on the state nobody really has an incentive to get to know one another and i think i think there's a calling for that i mean i i, I don't know if most people would articulate it uh, maybe in your audience they would cuz i actually w- had a lot of <laughs> lovely emails from people who were more along the uh the sort of anarcho-capitalist or libertarian <laughs> mindset uh which is which is really nice for me cuz i live in a country that is so damn socialist uh, every, everything is that's talked about solutions is just <laughs> oh, the government's going to do this and the government's going to do that. But that's the thing that I find is perpetuating this disconnection to one another. And I I, I definitely will, would not be so arrogant to blame that on solely the, the government. I think there's many other factors there. But I think people, if not consciously and subconsciously, are yearning for a connection with the people around them. And I think agriculture is a great place to start from that because if you've got a good, strong food system in a community, then that local economy can build from there and then you could just go on to skilled labor and then you know once you have a, a a system with food and basic needs then all kinds of other people can participate in it as well and so i think ag farming is a beautiful vehicle to to get those things in motion
0: i want to build on that give you a little intro but i want to ask how to Get how you can control the risk because I love everything you just said. Uh, and what's funny about my audience? I've got the coolest audience in the world. I, I get emails from like uh, emails from people that say, "Joshua, I'm a liberal Democrat." Joshua, I'm an you know an capitalist. I got I got a cool cross section of people, and I love that. You know, to have a have a healthy, vigorous debate and, and discussion, yeah, and, and just simply have the ability to have an adult conversation and part as friends, no matter where we wind up. Exactly. Uh, I think I've, I'm I think I'm building one of the coolest audiences I've ever. Ever, I've ever heard from, and I get I get to get the emails. It's super super fun, um, but so I love everything you just said, and yet there's also uh, a corollary in I'm all for jumping in with both feet. But if you're going to jump in with both feet, don't start off with a hundred foot you know high dive. Start off yes. with the one that's two feet above. And yep. so what I love is if there's a way where you can minimize the potential risk of, of failure. While maximizing the return, and I think this can be applied in every business. I'm super thrilled. Uh, just this last weekend, I think I figured out a way. Uh, as I kind of grope about and learn how to build the business side of my show uh, to where it can make a living, I think I've found actually a, a massively potential kind of side business that will be supported by the show that will actually make me some money. And the 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 risk, you know, I basically I, I calculate my risk. Maximum risk, I'm out anywhere from. Five hundred bucks to two thousand bucks, and maximum us upside is hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. That's a risk I'll take every time. <laughs> right. So, yeah. how can we do that in farming, and how can we figure out a way to uh, to minimize the risk and yet maximize that's, the reward?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and that's actually one of my this this is this is one of my top pieces of advice that I tell people that that kind of goes a little outside of the technical side but speaks more to the personal side is source high grade information um so that means i mean i i, I do this i do
0: a lot of consulting for that people. means by your course that you're writing oh, is what oh, that it,
1: means it, it literally it literally does uh, and i that's know that's awesome. That yeah that's great It's <laughs> a way to just like promote my own stuff but the thing is is i've i suffered for 5 years on All your right. behalf Right, I've learned all the uh, the hard way because I felt that I had to rewrite the book, which is a huge mistake. I mean, I did learn a lot of things from other farmers, but it's the it like you know people have suffered on your behalf. Right. So why would you go and start from point A when you can go you know don't go to university for this stuff. Don't right. go get a master's degree in urban agriculture. I know I know there's people that are providing it. Don't go waste twenty thousand dollars. I'm talking about. Spend if you spend a thousand dollars on a little bit of consulting and going to some workshops and doing some online research and reading some books, you will save yourself years of trial and error and thousands of dollars of wasted money. And and you know, one example is I didn't really learn this right away. I did in my last couple of years and I actually, you know, would pay people from consulting and and actually you know, hey, I'm willing to bring value to the table for you because I really value your information. Um, like things like irrigation. Like I heard from all kinds of different farmers on certain ways to do irrigation. I had some bad advice as well, but often I find the advice that's the most free and abundant can be sometimes the worst advice. Right. Sometimes it's worth it to find the person who's like doing this, pay for the time, and learn it the right way. You know, I've got thousands of dollars of irrigation stuff that I don't even use anymore. Because if I would have just gone to somebody in the field, an expert, paid for their time, I could have saved all that messing around. And I I, I was screwing around for, for hours a week on irrigation and buying all these things I didn't need. So, you know, there's things like that. And then there's also things on, on the production side of whether you're how to grow certain things or even in the marketing side. I mean, marketing side is huge. But it's like if I would have just said, swallowed my pride a little bit and said, hey, there's got to be a better way to do this. Maybe I can have a value exchange with somebody to to save that time. That's got to be the biggest thing. Because I think most people, you know, it might be a little different from, from your audience. I, I The emails that I got from some of your listeners after doing your show was a lot of real practical minded people um, that I, kind of people I really identify with mm-hmm. um, that were like, okay, you know, what's, what's the step A for me? and you know, they come from a previous career and want to start something new and it's just, um, you know, go, go, go the path of least resistance, go, learn what you can from other people and start from there and then you don't have to suffer. I mean, th- the whole reason I've put together this online um course, this profitable urban farming course. People if they're interested can just go to prof- profitableurbanfarming.com and sign up for the the newsletter when it when when we release it. Um is that my goal is is sort of uh, I don't want to say altruistic, but but I would like to see millions of small farmers across the U.S. and Canada start farming because I think decentralization is sort of a way that we're going. I mean I look at some of the cool technology today and it's it's this trend of decentralization. It's awesome. It is awesome and and I think there's gonna be some technological solutions for urban farmers. I'm working on some myself Um, but I would like to see these millions of small farmers across the U.S. and Canada so build this like local resilient system and it can start with farmers and then it can go into other things but everybody needs to eat that's the beauty of it right, right it's right. simple everybody needs to eat you can't argue that so there's going to be a need for farmers and you know California's in this massive drought right now which and they feed well California and Florida in fact feed a lot of North America so though you know the California then can't last forever and so there's going to be a need pretty soon and there already is in demand right but right. I'm talking like serious need
0: I think there's yeah. a I think there's a demand and there's not much perceived need right now in my yes, area. Exactly. I have looked for local sources and I can't find it. And I know I just pull my friends and I know the demand that is that is there. And uh, it's but it's hard to find the supply. And so uh, I think it's I think it's changing. I want to I want to jump on. It's so funny. I, you and I. I, we got to we got to actually meet. I, mean, I got to make a point. If I can get up to Orlando, I will. Um, yeah. But like you and I, we seem to jump on all these things that that are consistent so this weekend my business idea uh, is and I'm not going to give the subject amount out but I finally figured out I think the course that the market is screaming for uh, from me and it, it just it was I was blind to it until Friday and all of a sudden I figured out and now and I can't get past it. I'm like this is this is what the market is screaming there's a demand for and in order to meet the demand I need to create a course and so I was I've been thinking about this this like course idea and thinking okay how do I structure it I am so convinced beyond measure of the benefit of the course I'm going to create that when I think about the dollar amount, the highest dollar amount that I can put on it, I cannot conceive of how it could be anything less than a 10 or 20 times or 30 or more rate of return for the, for the person, if they're in the right demographic that I'm going to target with this course that I'm going to create. And like, I, I can't see how it's not, doesn't, I mean, just so much more valuable. But what's funny is I'm thinking through. Okay, how am I going to position it? I was thinking about the. Uh, I was thinking about what I need. What I need to learn to prepare what I need to do. So the first thing I did once I figured out the idea, I said, "Oh, okay. I need to go and I need to get some information." And so I was researching, and I've got three courses, uh, two of which I already have access to, and one of which I probably need to buy, that are all focused on how to launch a successful online course. This is the information that I need specifically at this point in time. And this information for me is so valuable because it solves a need. And I was thinking about compare that to how we usually seem to uh, uh, handle life. Usually what we do is we say, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend uh, you know, thousands of dollars on a general primary and secondary school education. And I'm going to spend tens of thousands of dollars on this general knowledge in, of this college degree that's not applicable to what I need. And that's yeah. not how an adult approaches in, approaches information. So most of us, I've spent eighty thousand dollars on my undergraduate college degree and that was so foolish as far as the payoff of of investment versus potential reward but now for me to go and spend a 1000 bucks or 2000 bucks or whatever I spent on the course for specific knowledge to a specific need, that's intelligent education.
1: Oh, and yeah. It, that's just getting to the goods, right? I mean just, just think about all the time, like how many years did I waste in public school? Right. <laughs> it's right. like all the garbage that the, 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 the state shoves down my throat in public school. And probably the only things that I use that I learned in public school are basic addition – maybe a little bit of geometry and geography and maybe some people skills that I right, learned in school. Right. I probably could have learned those in four years. You know, I, I find that stuff ironic because yeah, now Obama's talking about we're gonna give two years of education. <laughs> it. It's like, okay, so it didn't work for the first 12 years because everybody everybody <laughs> in, in the US and Canada has these garbage, useless degrees and worthlessness. And now we're gonna give you two years of more free crap that's not gonna do anything for you. I I love the irony of all this stuff, you know. But that's it, you know, and that and that goes back to the source high. Great information. So forget the crap. Get to the guts of the stuff. Right. Hard details, and that, and that's what I'm all about, man. That's what I teach in my workshops. Is like I'm I'm gonna save all the fluff. You know, i t- I talk a little bit of personal stuff because I think that's relevant to, to people's learning experience. But you know, get to the the, the nitty gritty, the real goods, and, right. and you know, you know, you, you go you go study agriculture in university, and you'll get years of theory. And all kinds of stuff that is just like where you could just go to a farmer who's in the business and spend a little bit of time with them and get miles ahead of all the people that are wasting $20,000 a year and just get some piece of paper that just becomes wallpaper, you right. know?
0: Right. And here's what's so cool, though, Here, part of the decentralization thing. I've been, I've been thinking about this, and here's the opportunity that we have today in 2015 that did not exist in 2000 and, well, did not exist in 1995 the major so if people can go uh, so there is never a downside to buying specific expertise applied to a specific situation if you can have trust and confidence in the source but if you can't have trust and confidence in the source then there's tremendous risk of oh maybe i'm maybe the source is not good and this is the problem that has a, that has uh, Existed in buying transactions throughout much of human history is how do you know the source on a mass market basis? Mm -hmm. But today, when you can find the world's expert and that world's expert can establish their credentials, not necessarily with some external credential granting uh, institution, although that's fine, but actually can establish it with free and open information to establish who they are. Like, anybody who listens to my show knows who I am. Anybody who's listened to, you know, three or four of your interviews is going to know who you are. And if- now, then you can trust a person. And so we've lowered that disconnect, that, that, uh, that fear of, of counterparty trust out of di- – transactions, financial trades. So now, if I know who you are, and if I'm interested in starting an urban farm, I can come to you, I can feel confident that you know what you're doing, I can spend enough time with your material, with your content, with your talks, I can go on YouTube, I can find your your um, uh, your talks at, uh, what's uh, What's um Diego Garcia's Permaculture Voices? Permaculture Voices, yep. I can go and hear you on 10 different interviews, I can hear you develop over time, I can read your stuff, I can be confident that you are who you say you are, and that you're the person I need. And if that's the right fit, Boom! Whatever I don't know what you're going to charge for your course, but that's the right. But it's worth it because I've solved that. It's a low risk transaction at that point.
1: Exactly. We. I mean, we've taken out the middleman, right? It's uh, yeah. Exactly. Through a university to 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 learn something, you can go on my YouTube channel and I'll show you stuff that I'm doing in the field, and you can see that I know what I'm talking about. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, there's all kinds of cool. There's a, a great tech app that's actually come out of um, of Kelowna, my hometown here. It's a, it's a uh, website called Soilmate.com, and it's basically a way of connecting anybody in a local geographical area to farmers who grow their stuff. So you go on this website. You can search. I'm looking for beets. Who in my this zone that I pick has beets, and it'll list these farmers. You can make you can prepay the transactions there, and then you just go and pick it up from the farmer. Like It's stuff like this that is this is more decentralized, you know, software applications I think I love, I'm a huge tech fan. What's that uh, app called? It's called Soilmate.com. Okay. Cool. And um I think I think it'll be big. I think they're on to something that is yet to really take off yet, but the concept is there because it removes a lot of the barriers. Like even you know sometimes Picking up the farmer's market isn't always convenient for people, you know. They don't want to, you know, maybe they're a little bit more adverse to the crowds and they don't want to go and park or, you know, all these. But you now connect directly to the farmer and find farmers in your local area anywhere. So, I mean, yeah, farmers should go and sign up on that too because there's the potential of It's huge. And that's not the only one. There's all kinds of other ones. I, I This guy I met in New Zealand started this one called Ubi. Like four O's by it's like out of our own backyards. It's another uh, software solution to connect people to food food producers in their area. Like the potential of this is great. I mean, I don't I don't. But at the same time, I don't think the grocery store and that whole system is going to go away overnight. Definitely not. But it's cool to know. And I mean, I shop at the grocery store too, right? Like I'm not completely self sufficient. Um, But it's cool to know that we can. We're transitioning now, and so. I think, like, right now, there's never been a better time to get into agriculture. Just looking at, you know, I I, I don't know about you, Josh, but I I believe personally everything is supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Whether it's relationships, information, or money, or skills, whatever it is, everything's supply and demand. And if you look at the supply and and demand Mm -hmm. of farmers right now, that says a lot. We have gone, in the last 80 years, we have gone from having 25% of our population directly involved in agriculture to 2%. And now we see a massive interest in nutritional, wholesome, local food. And people want to know their farmers because they don't trust what the labels tell them. You know, we issues of genetically modified stuff. We've got uh, all the kinds of adverse health and environmental effects that the industrial food system has caused people are saying, hey I don't want that garbage I want to know who grows my food and so this is a trend that's going to continue no matter what happens in the economy in fact I think if the economy gets worse it'll probably grow faster um, so you know to get into farming right now is kind of like I, I I personally and just even in my own personal experience I see it sort of like the dot-com thing where it's like hey this internet thing is starting to happen okay let's let's do it um, I think millionaires will be made in farming in the next ten or, ten or so years because there's going to be a massive need I mean farmers are aging right the average age of a farmer in North America is around 60 years old and there's not enough people moving in to fill those jobs so you know if you talk about the economics whether it's inflation on rising food prices because of rising energy prices right now this is just a little anomaly I think I mean it can't last. As far as energy prices, food prices will continue to go up. They have been for the like steadily since I was a child. That's not going to change. But the the real fact of the matter is is that there's just not enough farmers, and so if more if more people aren't going in to fill those shoes of those farmers, you won't have any food at any price. Doesn't matter. Right. So you know, the time is now.
0: It's it's interesting. This last couple of weeks, I've been personally researching a few things and trying to figure out if there's any way that I can actually start a personal experiment of exclusively isolating the GMO food variable in my diet. And I'm overweight, and I've been overweight for a long time, and it doesn't make sense to me why I'm as overweight as I am with regard to knowing what I know about... Uh, nutrition, physical activity, recognizing how much I eat. Like, it's never made sense to me. And so I've had some experience with some family members who finally kind of figured out some external factors about basically toxins and the impact of toxins on on their body. And I've been trying to figure out – one of my projects for 2015 is to try to figure out, like, is there – Am I just, do I just lack discipline? You know, that's what I always, I've told myself for years. Well, Joshua, there's something wrong with you. You lack discipline. Or is there <laughs> something going on? And Because I, I shouldn't be as fat as I am. I really, I don't <laughs> think I should be. So I was reading um, some uh, discussion and listening to the guy who wrote, what's the, uh, the documentary? I haven't watched it yet, but I was listening to a talk by the guy who gave the documentary uh, Genetic, Genetic Roulette, I think. And he was presenting information, and Michael Pollan. Yeah, no, it wasn't Michael Pollan. Uh, he, I know Michael Pollan. I've read some of his work. Uh, I'll find it in a second. I'll Google it when, when, once we switch the conversation back to you. But um, it, uh, I'll duck, duck, go. Excuse me. I don't Google it anymore. Uh, <laughs> so. I was reading about. It. I was wondering. I'm like, huh. I wonder could my some of my health issues be a result of GMOs? But the problem is, is is to isolate that variable because a lot of times, if you go to GMO-free, then you go to uh, you know you go to organic, or if you go to, uh, I mean, there are other things. in well, organic, I'm not trying to isolate necessarily organic inorganic. Although I prefer to eat organic. I'm interested in isolating that GMO variable, mm-hmm. and it's I, so I've been researching. Is there any way that I could do it? It's tough, if not impossible, for me to do because the supply doesn't exist locally. And so I would, I would do it if I could, and I, I might be able, still be able to. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if there's a way I can do it. But it's a very difficult problem to face, and what I've learned is that there are other people who have exactly the same problem. Yeah. And I can't, I can't even run the experiment because the, the, the supply is not there.
1: Right, right. But that, I mean that tells you that the demand is there then, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a huge market opportunity in all this for anybody who, you know, the the, the cool thing about, you know, our roots as North Americans, we're pioneers. We, we we were we are in our blood most of us have farmers in there. So, um I don't think any of this is anything new and I don't think it's anything that 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 uh, that Anybody wouldn't be capable of themselves, but I mean, I, as far as the GMOs, I totally agree with you. When you go to a whole food diet, and I'm, I'm by no means a nutritional expert, but I've got a pretty damn good quality of life. I mean, I go even in the winter here, uh, you know, two feet on the snow. I would go up my greenhouse and pick fresh kale and spinach and juice it in the morning and make a, make myself smoothies with frozen berries and things that I get from other farmers around me. I mean, it's a pretty cool quality of life and. uh But you know, I also eat a lot of uh, good bacon and and stuff. Like, I eat stuff that's fatty as well. But I eat good quality. I know the farmers that I get my stuff from. And man, I I bacon every. I've got like sort of the hippie redneck breakfast going on where I have like a green
0: smoothie with kale and spinach with bacon bacon in the morning.
1: Um, But uh, it's all the
0: quality. I'm with you. I can't. I I don't know. Here where I am, I I can't eat. I can't find. I love bacon, and I can't find a decent source. And and when you when you when you understand, as I think as true, you know toxins are generally locked up in fat. And you think I don't have any problem with the fat, but I don't want the the Johnson and whatever the Johnsonville oh, or whatever. I don't want their that pig that has just stood there and hasn't been able to move for for, for six months. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's, we'll, we'll get off of this. I, I wanted to come back sure. to one thing on the course, and I want to continue with some practical um, education uh, yeah. for, for people who are interested. But one other thing on the, on the course. I used to think that the primary benefit that somebody could bring was information. And I realized that I learned this, and I, I don't think I fully grasped it until recently, as I thought that as a financial planner that what I was doing was bringing information to bear. And I've since learned that information is free. Mm-hmm. All the information that somebody needs about urban farming, everything you know, is already exists out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because somebody else, is, you got it from somebody else who synthesized oh. something. And there may be maybe one idea that you actually discovered on your own, but it was with the application of two ideas that someone else had. Yep. So if you spend enough time on YouTube or if you spend enough time reading, whether it's current urban farming things or go back to 1638 and read about what they said to do then... Uh, The information is out there. Oh, yeah. But the problem is we're drowning in in information, and we're bereft of wisdom. And what we get paid for and what is so valuable is when I finally figured out what I get paid for as a financial planner is the application of broad-ranging knowledge to a specific situation. And that is worth big money because it saves time. And as information multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies, we don't need information. We need application of wisdom to a scenario. I think of, uh, you mentioned earlier, Tim Ferriss's podcast. I listened to an interview he did with Kevin Kelly. And I never didn't really know anything about Kevin Kelly. And I was just fascinated by this interview he did, though, because he made the statement. He said, I predict that in the future, books will be free and what we will pay Amazon for is not the book is for the suggestion of the next book to read, because that's (laughs) what's overwhelming. And it blew my mind. And since then, I haven't gotten away from it. That's what we need, is we need the application of expert information in a specific situation, and that's what experts bring to the table.
1: Well, and that's just it, because um, you know, going on what you said there, too, is that, yes, you're right. All the information is free. It's all there. But how much time do you have? And the more information, we are in an information age where information is in an abundance, but expertise is in scarcity right so so you know what what can i do to save time to sift through all the crap spend a thousand bucks and go straight to the heart of the matter get what i need and get in production and get on with my life instead of sitting in a classroom for a year or two or three or four right um you know get to it and uh start your life today i mean this it's interesting because you know when i started I was at sort of. I had a, a few different things I wanted to do to learn how to do this, and one of the things that I was really looking at was going to this farming school, and it's it's a cool program. It's out here uh, on the west coast of BC, and um, cool program. But really, when I looked at that, what I had to do is I had to go into this program for a year. It's going to cost me about twenty thousand dollars, a little bit more with living expenses, and when I came out of it, I would have to if if ultimately I wanted to do is be a farmer, well, then I'd have to raise the capital to start the farm. Whereas, whereas basically, I said, you know what? I, I did this bike tour down the West Coast. I don't know if I mentioned this to you in the last show, but a real big turning point in my life was I rode my bike from Kelowna to uh, Tijuana, basically. I went down the West Coast. I visited, ur- uh, not urban farms, but eco-villages and homesteads and all kinds of things like this. Got really inspired about w- what people were doing. More or less got inspired about myself, because I realized that when I wear my values on my sleeve, uh, this is who I am, take me or leave me. I'm not afraid to show some vulnerability in my imperfections. People really gravitated towards that. and I, But I also felt like I could do anything. And so that's where I was like, I started to think about going to take this course. And I said, you know what? Why don't I just go all out, take the risk, take that money I would have spent at that school and just put it into my own business? And even if worst case scenario, it failed, well, at least I'd have a hell of a lot better idea how to do it the next year or if I didn't even want to do it, it would have been the same as spending the money in the school. But I was willing to take that risk in the sense that if I do okay, then I can do it again the next year and maybe make some more money at it. And so that was a far better um, thing to do is to just let's go for it.
0: Right. It resonates with me because same thing. I mean, I try very hard not to regret the past. We all are, you know, in in many ways, our lives simply reflect a series of decisions we've made. And you can't go back and predict anything. But I've had the same thought. Man, if I would have taken that 80 grand that I spent on college and I would have just simply said, I am going to blow every last dime of this. Uh, Well, I'm going to blow 10,000 bucks on books and I'm going to read them. And I'm going to blow 70,000 bucks on, you know, just wasted business things. I don't think there's any possibility that I could finish blowing the seventy thousand dollars without having a few million dollars in the bank. Like so if I'll... you if you give yourself that if you give yourself the permission to fail, and you give yourself a little bit of capital, not even necessarily a lot, but a little bit. Let's say I put myself on a budget. I'm going to waste you know i I'm going to waste twenty thousand dollars a year over the next four years until I get a business that 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 uh, that that works. Re- a I'd either have a business that went. Or I would have eighty thousand bucks worth of hard lessons learned, and I would be on the cusp of the business that was going to work yeah. a lot well, different than having the diploma.
1: <laughs> well, and that's the thing too is that, you know, like you said, give yourself the permission to fail, but then take that and fail better. Learn, right. uh, learn from your failures, and channel those. And um, because if you don't learn from your failures, then you're then you're wasting time. Right. So failures, that's good. That's good. And and, and, and again, it, go, it goes back into this choosing fear or love in your day-to-day life. And when you choose love, you look at things positively. And so every time I screw something up, I go, hey, there's an opportunity. And 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 the cool thing about it too is, I mean, I, I'm, I'm of the thinking, I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this and probably a lot of your listeners too, is that when you really boil everything down, everything just comes back to human relationships. That's mm-hmm. really all that's important. I could lose everything in the stock market. I could have my house burned to the ground, people could steal all my crops, but at the end of the day all that matters is the relationships that I've built in my life. And so, you know, when, when this comes back into like failing, is that in the sense like, you know, sometimes we fail with each other. Like, sometimes a customer of mine might complain about something, right? And so, every time there's a failure, there's an opportunity to turn a negative into a positive by saying, okay, these, these, this person is giving me an opportunity to make it right. And so this is something my dad really hammered into my head. My dad is a real, like a small businessman, did many different entrepreneurial things when, when uh, in his life. But he always said, you don't just make it right, you make it better. So there's an opportunity. So for example, like you know, somebody come, would come to my farmer's market stand and say, oh, I, I bought a bag of salad mix from you last week and it's it spoiled by the time I go home. So it's like right there is an opportunity. So... What does a, a bag of salad mix really cost me in the day? So to give them another one is, doesn't cost me anything. But to make it better now turns this situation that started off negative into something better. So, okay, here's a bag of salad mix. Here's a few other things as well. Right. And then they leave with a smile on their face saying, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I would, because mo- most people, when, when, when people take criticism, the most, most of the time just a guard goes up in front of them and they say, oh, it's defensive, oh, what, no, what are you talking about, I never have this, and this, this sort of pride mechanism kicks in, but it's like, hey, humble yourself, you know, here's an opportunity for now to make this person, uh, make their day better, and you know what, in the end, they're probably going to come back the next week and bring their friends. Right. So that's what I mean by taking an opportunity that was bad, not just making it right, but making it better. That's how we can make we can uh, with our failures. We can always fail better and improve ourselves through that process. And you really only do that through experience. You, you you don't really get that when you go to university for something. Right. I mean, let's let's face it, too. I mean, we're like we said earlier, we're in an abu- information is an in abundance. And like, universities, since they've been subsidized by the government, have gone rampant. I mean, everybody, everybody's everybody got a degree now, right? I mean, pe- right. people working as a bouncer at a bar <laughs> probably have a degree in, like, social science or something. You know, who knows? But everybody's got a degree. So it all goes back to the supply and demand thing. If everybody has the same stuff, its value goes down. And so a degree today, eh, I'd, I'd say you're better off putting your money into a, a business and starting to make something happen. Get into production. Provide pr- provide. It's, it's so simple in business, right? Provide stuff that people need. Right. Right. And keep that's, them happy. <laughs> yeah, that's really all it is. And and it can be so fun along the way too, because when you go into that love based mindset, I mean, every day is fun. Human relationships are incredible. I mean, I love. Even just with farming, I mean, I love going on the road coming to places like Florida and meeting awesome people too, but I mean just with farming, I mean you get to talk to great people all day, people who shop at farmers markets want to talk to the farmer i mean it's right. it 's right. a dream,
0: man right. I want to share one concept. I love everything you said, and it it it's, it just shocks me when big businesses don't seem to recognize. If I just keep a customer, it's like like their entire goal is to tick off their customer. Sometimes, uh, and little you know, little businesses know that. Hey, what is a what is a what if here? It was spoiled here. Three bags of salad mix and and a bunch of other stuff with it, and it's it's so cheap compared to future customers, but I want to go back to something you said on failure and this turning into, into swap business uh, stories, I guess, instead of uh, how to start (laughs) an urban farm. Uh, But you and I, I, we seem to have a synergy of some kind. Um, one concept I, I thought that just, excuse me, one concept I learned that has completely transformed my willingness to fail is to stop thinking in terms of success or failure and to think in terms of feedback. Hmm. And what I realized, I believe, if I were to cite the source, I believe this was part of years ago. I thought I wanted to become a copywriter and write, you know, uh, write advertising literature, and it seemed to be kind of an ideal business for me. I was okay at writing. I figured I could, I could do it from anywhere in the world. I could make a lot of money, so I pursued it. I bought a course, and I was going, working my way through this copywriting course. And I think they were talking about the the failure rates. And the thing about copywriting, when you're writing, let's say a, a traditional direct mail, uh, an advertisement in the mail. Now now you see it online. But but there's still plenty in the mail. Is you're always just testing. And you're always testing and you send out one letter and you see what the response is. And then you send out another letter and you see if the response is better or worse. And you're just getting feedback. And if the response is better, then that letter becomes your standard. And that's the one that everything's measured against. And you're always, always testing, testing new things, trying this, trying that, trying this, trying that. And a copywriter, a salesperson, never thinks in terms of success or failure. They just think in terms of feed- feedback. Well, this one flopped. And this one had, ba- had a bad response rate. We'll trash that and go on to the next thing. It's no big deal. So they test in small batches, and then they continue on, and they don't worry about and assign this whole emotional uh, weight to, oh, This letter just failed. I am a terrible person. My business is a disaster. I should just quit. I hate my life. No, that letter didn't work. Feedback. Marketplace gave us feedback. Move on. And that's what capitalism is supposed to be. Money is just a form of feedback. But what happens is we often assign this great emotional weight to certain things. And we say, oh, if I do this and this business doesn't work, it's going to fail. Ignore failure. It's just feedback. Market mm-hmm. says this isn't valued. Market says this is valued. And yeah, if exactly. we disconnect this emotional weight and just listen to what the market is saying,
1: exactly. And that's you know, the cool thing about. I always look at these correlations, and I love the correlation between. You know, I'm, i I'm a, I I consider myself like a true free market capitalist in the traditional sense. Like I don't believe what is represented in the U.S. or Canada or most of the world today is what true free market capitalism is. <laughs> But there still is a little bit of it left. And I love the correlation to what you're saying to the feedback that exists in, with your customers or products or whatever. I like to – I'll pull that back from being a farmer and say, you know, there's this also this feedback loop in nature that is so cool. And when you're a farmer, you see it right away. And And, and I think being a farmer has made me so much of a better person because of being aware of these feedback loops. Like, for example, things you do when you're growing plants – there's this pretty immediate feedback loop that if you're doing something that doesn't work, you notice it. You can notice it the next day with the health of your plants or your crops. And we've become so like, you know, everything that comes to us through the power of the state, through the barrel of a gun comes in one way. It's one way direction. There is no feedback loop. You know, if if the government, if something doesn't work for a government program, there's no feedback loop. They just <laughs> pump more money into it, right? There's no feedback loop. And, and that's the thing is that when we really assess ourselves as human beings, as like emotional human beings that care for one another, these feedback loops exist in the free market, in the real free market. It exists a little bit today, but all these things exist in nature. They exist in economics across the board. These feedback loops exist. And if we don't pay attention to them, that's when things go wrong. And this is like, for me, you know, I open a can of worms at this, but this is like the ultimate failure of the state, the ultimate failure of, you know, the American dream originally, uh, or, or what the fore- the, 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 um, the forefathers wanted was an incredible thing. But we've gone so far from that. And, um, you know, it, these feedback loops just don't exist. But if you are aware of the feedback and you start a business or you start a farm, or no matter what your mission is in life, if you become aware of these feedback loops in everything that you do, you can make tremendous strides in your personal and business life, like very easily. But it's just opening your ears and eyes. And I love how you, how you talked about it. It's like forget about whether it's failure or not, because you, you, if you say failure, then there's sort of this. Sense to to feel sort of defeated or feel like you made a mistake, but it's just like that's just that's just the market response. And the and the market the beauty the beauty of a real free market is that a free market exists in everything, not just economics. There's a free market. Like we we are voluntarily discussing ideas here. This is a free market of ideas, right. too. Right. And and as soon as we say let's stop the free market, well, <laughs> you know, I that's when I started to get a little freaked out. But I mean, I trust try to like I just try to like live my life. The best I can and lead by example instead of trying to force people into my uh, the way I want to see the world <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm with you so he, here's he, I want to ask you one question and so I thought when we started uh we were going to talk about like how to get into farming and we've done very little of that, but yeah, it's, it's been that. good. Here's, you, you said you are in the future going to be running a course and you're coming out with a book. Uh, yep. in the future. okay. Let's, let's do another interview another time. Uh, when you, when you're closer to that and let's actually go through how, that, how to, uh, how to get started in farming. Uh, and you can give some snippets away and that'll help you publicize whenever you email let me know after the interview whenever that's coming out that'll help you publicize your course but i want to ask you a question now uh before we wrap up i want to i want to ask about investment and here's here's the question i've had a number of people contact me and they're interested in uh in investing in things like like you describe you know local economy sustainable agriculture they're interested in in supporting ideas like you Like you have and Frankly, this is probably where I am. I would love, uh, I'm working hard on some business pursuits. And although one of my backup plans is to start an urban farm in my backyard in the backyard of all the neighbors, that's one of my backup plans. But uh-huh. right now, I don't think it's, it's not my primary plan. But I still really would love to invest in it. I'd love to invest, in, and I'd love to own or, or be a partner in a local uh, you know, free-range cattle operation. You know, We've got one mm-hmm. of the most amazing places in the world for beef production is here in Florida. And I just drive through Central Florida, and I think, look at the squandered opportunities here. And and obviously there are, anyway, how yep. could I as an investor, how could an audience listener as an investor, who's who has a similar philosophical bent to what you're describing. How could they actually invest their money profitably into uh, an organization, operation like yours, or, or with similar ethics?
1: Yeah, okay. Um, well, first of all, I'm in no way an investment advisor. I don't want to Tell people what to do with their money, and then have something go wrong, and then they say, "Hey, that was a bad investment." So I, I, I'm not I'm not the best in that regard, but I, I've got some ideas on some things that I think, uh, in time in the future, will, will can will prove lucrative for people in a couple ways. And so I don't. Um, it's interesting, you know. Your show is about. The finance for the most part, and I, I definitely um, agree with you on any and most things regarding finance. But I like to think about investment in a more holistic way. I like to think about the sort of the triple bottom line um, return that you can get on investment. So, and what I mean by triple bottom line is the economic, the social, and the environmental benefit. And I think this is where the, this is where new capitalism or new free marketism will go because it just makes sense. Um, so there's some cool things. I, I met a I met a young rancher in uh, rural Alberta. I was teaching a workshop there, and he had a really cool way of getting investment for his farm. And so when you're starting a, a, a like a ranch, a pasture pasture raised uh, pork or cattle, um, there's some capital you need up front. I mean, in my business system, you can start an annual vegetable urban farm on five to ten thousand dollars and turn that into fifty thousand dollars your first year if you follow my steps. But for cattle ranching and things like that, it's a bit more. And so this young man had a really cool system where he got people. He found, I think it was five investors to put in $5,000. And they, they basically made a bond. And so the legalities of this, I'm not exactly sure. It might fall into some gray area. But what they did was they got everybody to put in $5,000. And then he took that money. And for three years, he gave them a 5% return on that investment, paid in a dividend, uh, either in the form of cash or product and then at the end of the three years he gave them their money back so in, in, in a world where you know governments print money and we live in a low interest rate world 5% return yeah sure it's not a lot on investment if you only think about the financial return but if you think about the social and environmental returns they're of a high, way higher magnitude And and this is why investing in your local area is so important because not only do you benefit from this young man starting a ranching operation that's going to feed you and your family potentially for generations, but you are also improving soil, topsoil. That's a resource capital, right? That's an investment in resource. Right. And you invest in a in a in a young man or woman who is going to start farming and and then teach other people to farm and then there's a social ripple effect there too. So, you know, I think as far as investment um, I don't have a silver bullet to say, hey, this is going to make you millions of dollars. But what I will say is you might make a few bucks from it, but look at the other things that you benefit from and how they affect your community. Because really, it all comes down to relationships, right? And without that, you can lose all your money in the stock market. And If the, if, if the mood of Europe or America is bad one day, you can <laughs> lose everything. <laughs> but But when you really talk about the real forms of capital that are most important, that's what it is, and so I think investing in young farmers so because they're the future right there's an aging farming population right now, but there's a new group of farmers that are looking at more holistic ways to do it, and I think that's important, but I think there are ways that people who have some money could come together put start maybe in some kind of investment fund that invests in young farmers and puts and puts money into infrastructure and you know you have to be a little careful with these things because I've seen some negative effects where people offer too much money to av- available to farmers and and it might attract people that aren't necessarily maybe the best farmers because it's all the easy come easy go right like i That's think right. it's important that people work hard for those kind of things and i i don't i don't see any problem in charging some interest either because i think you know if it's too easy come it's it's too easy go so you know have some interest in there but it's got to be it's got to be realistic you know
0: so here would be a question this is actually a selfish question i had a, I had some correspondence with a listener and this listener was interested in was interested in sustainable agriculture was interested in building local the local economy and the listener had enough money to where they were able to fund everything in life that they needed, and there's there are some kind of stages of wealth, and one of those stages of wealth I think is you have enough financial capital, or at least enough assets that are going to support anything that you can possibly personally consume, and if you uh, and if you reach that point in time. Then you start thinking less, and maybe you need some you want to set aside some consumption for your kids uh, maybe or or other people that are close to you, but once you reach that point there 's a limit to what you can consume and then you start looking at advancing your agenda for how you think the world should be, and this is what the wealthy do, so um, you see it. Primarily, I mean, probably the clearest example is if I've got three billion dollars, then there's not a chance in the world that a any of my kids are going to spend three billion dollars. So, and there's not a chance that I'm going to let the government spend my three billion dollars. So I'm going to give, you know, a couple hundred million to the kids, and I'm going to put the rest of it into my nonprofit foundation, and that allows me to change society from beyond the grave and never pay taxes on it. That's the whole point of many Mm -hmm. philanthropic, you know, so-called philanthropic nonprofit organizations is to change society over time and it allows wealthy people to extend uh, past money into power, which is ultimately one of the things that money is often tied to. So I Mm -hmm. recommended to this listener, I said, listen, if you've got things stabilized, then just go invest, do what the rich people do. Maybe you don't have a billion dollars to set up the Carnegie Corporation or the Rockefeller Corporation or the Gates Foundation, you know, that should change the world and make it into my image, how I think it should be. But at least deploy, you know, a few million bucks into what you care about. So if you, if you had a few million bucks sitting aside, let's, let's for round numbers, let's just say five. Um, and let's say I've got five million bucks tucked aside and I really care about su- supporting some of the issues that Curtis Stone is into, uh, then how would you deploy that today in 2015? What ideas would you have for that listener? Hmm, um didn't expect that one did you <laughs> no but I, I think like
1: there's going to be the key is is we need to have more farmers because we need to have more teachers and and the more and the more young farmers we have out there doing stuff and having successes the more opportunities there will be to pass on those successes and learn from their experience i see huge potential in setting up agricultural schools in the practical sense i mean i uh, one of your friends I've talked to about coming down to West Palm Beach and doing something like this, setting up a a hub where we can bring in new farmers, may, put them through a, a couple month program, get them the things they need, and get them out in the field and 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 starting those. Um, I see potential there. But would you uh, follow?
0: Would you follow like the permaculture model? Of the the um basically an internship like for example uh, one of the farms I liked because they have beautiful photography I look at uh, Milkwood Farm in Australia yep. Yep. and I just watch what they're doing on their farm and they seem to be having a real impact there in their area totally. and they bring people in they run their market garden for them would you would you pursue that type of approach or how well, would you design it?
1: Well, A little bit but I, I, I've done that a, a little bit in the past to be honest with you I find that if, if, if the perceived value is too low you don't. You, it, it actually affects the quality of education you get, and so you know. In the past, I've actually taken interns because I get people that email me from literally all over the world that say, "Hey, I want to come down and work on your farm for a week if you teach me stuff." And there's the perceived value is that hey, they can get a free education if they come to my farm, and then they'll walk away with all this stuff. But the problem is, is I have if I have to take time away from my production to teach you something, it's hard to do it in a week. You need to have time. And so I actually think that there's better potential in paid apprenticeships where people come and pay to be part of a program. And so that money commitment on their end not only helps the farmer so he can take time away from his operation to teach them but it also shows level of commitment and i think that you know i often see this in the permaculture community is there's a lot of idealism a lot of things that you know videos out there there's a lot of great stuff in that community definitely wouldn't say anything bad about it um but there's a lot of stuff that's like these big promises and a lot of it's just based on like the whole like just a lot of altruism opposed to practicality of like, okay, altruism's is great, right. but like you got to feed yourself first and you got to make sure you build resilience in your own personal life and business life before you can start getting other people to do the same thing. So I, I see more potential in sort of a paid internship where people pay the farmer, come on the farm for two months. And maybe even they get the money back at the end where it's like you put in two thousand dollars and if you stick around the entire season, you'll get that two thousand dollars after. But it shows a level of a commitment because a lot of people romanticize farming right. and they, they, they watch, you know, a guy like Jeff Lawton, who I'm a huge fan of, but they'll watch his videos and say, Oh, I wanna green the desert. I wanna do all these things. Um, and then they and then they come on my farm and they they realize that you know, reality is is a lot. Is, is pretty far removed from ideology. Right. So, you know, farming isn't all that glamorous, really. I mean, you know, sure, I, I make it look gra- glamorous when I when I tell everybody how great it is, and it is great. But there's a lot of other work that just needs to get done.
0: A lot of sore backs some days, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, what I try to do in my systems is make things streamlined and as efficient as possible, so we avoid those kinds of problems. Um, but, the, you know, you have to, um, the reality sometimes isn't all that. And so, um, I don't know, I think, I think people, I think there's going to be investment opportunities in systems to create more farmers. Cause like one person can only make so much from farming, right? Like, let's be honest, like my farm is very profitable for its size. You know, I can do $80,000 on a third of an acre, probably more next year, um, but you know I, I work full days i work a, it's a full time job i do, actually I'm happy to say now I don't work much more than forty hours a week, but a person isn't going to gain that overnight, but still that's just eighty thousand dollars I've got to pay an employee in there I've got some expenses as well. You know getting farming isn't a get rich thing, especially on the small scale, right but I think the information um we have to train a lot of farmers, and I can't do it myself, <laughs> like we need to get more farmers who can do what I can do. And also get out there as well, because if 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 we say that let's say you know it's an aging population of farmers, and less than two percent of people in North America know how to farm anymore, hey, there's ninety eight percent of people, or whatever it is we want to get farmers back up to as far as percentage of the population, there's a lot of people to train, and there's a lot of people without jobs in the U.S. right now, and um, hey, there's there's a lot of opportunities there for people.
0: And what's I like what you say though about the paid apprentice model. I think that's gonna, uh, that is probably coming coming over time, and it's kind of a mixture, because if you actually look at some of the the heroes and some of the the um, some of the heroes, I mean, the the reality of a paid apprentice is gonna attract probably a different caliber of person, and yes. if I were serious about getting into farming. I bet you what I would do, how I would approach it. I would go and woof somewhere or volunteer somewhere for uh, you know for a few weeks and let the romanticism get out of my blood and <laughs> totally. just get into the hard work. Okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay money until I'd first dealt with the fact of Joshua. Are you being romantic about this lifestyle? Exactly, that's and, a great point. Or are you actually serious about willing to do this? And once yep. I got that out of my blood, man, I would pay anything I had. Uh, I mean, assuming I had a little bit of savings, and if I didn't, I would get some. I want the best instruction in the world, so if I, you know, I want to, I want to go. And if I had to pay to go and and work on Lawton's farm, or if I had to go and pay to work on Salatin's farm, or if I had to go to pay and and work with, I don't know, Mark Shepard or, or Greg Judy or whoever the other kind of heroes of the heroes of the faith, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, I would pay because. A, a, that's going to get me social access. You know, Salatin launches his interns and they've got their business set because they're oh, part of the Salatin brand.
1: Well, and there's a model there too that right tools. There is a pay model there too. And that's the thing where that's what it really is. Like, from, from my end, anybody can come to my lectures, anybody can come to my workshops. That's a cheaper way to get my time. But if you want my time on the farm, you're going to pay because i don't have time to waste on people that aren't going to be successful right if you're going to come on my farm you're going to pay that because I want to make sure that you that, like just what you said Josh is a great point is going through some woofing they've got they, it isn't just a romantic idea anymore it's they're committed they want to do this because I want to see a million more I want to see thirty million new farmers start in North america and I want to make sure that everybody that I spend time with personally is on that track because I want them to also do what I do. Not everybody is going to be as uh, much of an advocate as I am, and that's fine. But the more successful farming models that we see out there will create those advocates. That's what I want. I want to have impact that way. So. Yeah, if you're coming to my farm, you're you're going to you're going to pay for it because you're going to get the highest quality value you can, but I want to make sure that you're committed so that you are going to be one of those kind of people. And some people just want to farm and that's totally fine. Um, but I think, you know, we'll have a r- crazy ripple effect once we get more people out there talking about it and inspiring people where this becomes a mainstream thing. I w- I want it to become in the next few years, I want to see it become mainstream where you, you know a farmer now. I mean, I'm still, within the th- thousands of people that I've met in my life, I'm still probably one of five people that actually farm for a living. Like, it's rare. Wow. I know more people that have studied public relations or political science or fine arts than I do farmers and i 'm a farmer right like, I, I, they 're still in a huge minority so I want that to change
0: interesting you know interesting I have to I have to provide the counter argument for the stuff that we were talking about with college. That's what college uh, used to be and still is in some places. The reason you pay, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for, a, you know, a prestigious exclusive university is you're paying for social access. And it's still worth the money for people who are getting social access. Yeah. And there was it's always true. there there always has been and there still is for those who didn't have the money. In the same way that if there was somebody that came to you and got your attention through their hard work and through their dedication and through their whatever, just their character qualities. You wouldn't, if, even if they didn't have the money, you would bring them under your wing and that's what, still, you can still do that if you don't have the money to pay for access to that social circle then it would still happen. So that was the whole point of university originally, is yeah. to allow the social circles to stay pure and that's the whole point of the, the boarding school system, that's the whole point of Harvard, that's the whole point of, I mean, totally. there's, there's a reason why every, I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the United States, you don't, you don't get to be president unless you're part of the club, you know, there's a Harvard or Yale somewhere in your, in your uh, <laughs> somewhere in your history or a, or a bunch of them somewhere in your family.
1: Totally, and if you and the, the key is, is like I mean, this sounds cliche, but the key is, if you really want to make it happen, you'll make it happen. And I just find, as unfortunate as it is, is that sometimes a dollar value is just a better way of vetting the person. Right. Like I don't want. I'm not trying to say, oh, to, to get access to to me or this kind of farming requires X amount of dollars. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that. That dollar figure more often than not will represent a person's will to do it, so, like just like you said at the university, if you really will work your ass off and make it happen, then you're going to have that be in that mindset of that more abundance mindset than the scarcity mindset and that's often I hear that a lot i mean i I, I get people that say, "Oh well, you know what about why don't you have like x amount of free tickets for people that are?" Marginalized or whatever, and and you know it's like and and we do we always do in my workshops. There's always some kind of like scholarship or free stuff to some degree, but you can't help everybody. Um But it's like if you're stuck in that scarcity mindset, well, then this might not be for you. You if you want to do this successfully, you got to get out of that mindset and start to see the abundance that actually exists in the world. Because frankly. The guys that are really rich in the world, Warren Buffett, whatever love them or hate them they they're in that mindset yep. they're in that abundance mindset and abundance attracts abundance and nature is abundance it's the law of nature it's the law of abundance one one lettuce plant will produce a thousand seeds to reproduce itself. nature itself is abundant and people need to get out of the mindset of scarcity people ever, you know it's like climate change this or we're, we're screwing the planet and and I'm, I won't say we aren't. But there's still a lot of abundance. There's still so many opportunities. But don't let the the, the, the mainstream media convince you that it's all going to shit and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, we, that you can do something about it. You just got to believe in yourself and take action.
0: I will listen to anybody who wants to convince me that climate change is going to result in the death of all of us. If they can illustrate to me what they're actually doing that actually makes a difference, I listen to those people with ears wide open because I simply don't know. I'm done listening to people who tell me that here's why the world is going to crazy, so therefore that's why we got to control your life and tax you. Exactly. Like, I'm done. I refuse to. When you show me that you're out greening the desert, I'll listen to you on climate change. When there are people who are greening the desert and you're not, <laughs> sorry, like you don't, it, yeah. I don't have a ground to stand on. Because I know people that can go out and green the desert and you, you take one half of 1% of what you're spending on all the rest of the stuff of controlling people and you give it to the people that are out greening the desert. And man, we you can change any you can change the climate. We can make rain. Uh, you know, we can make grain. We can make green. We can soak up all kinds of carbon dioxide. It's tree food. And I'll when you show me you're actually putting your money where your mouth is, and you're not just sitting around trying to control me. I'll I'll believe it. And I'll that's
1: exactly it. I'm it's, sold. It's all the same mechanisms that are used over and over again in history, and people don't really seem to learn. <laughs> like so, the the, good, the people that do will, and the, and they'll always be the change makers, but you know, it's just all this fear crap. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that climate change exists or not. Uh, I, I actually personally see effects of it. Um, what 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 is caused by that? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I you know, I listen to some scientists, but I also see uh, different opinions on it. So it, in the end, it doesn't matter to me because in the end, I'm still riding a bike. Every day I'm still right. green in green in the urban areas that I live in. I'm still doing the best I can all the time. And that's all that matters. To get you know, I've gone down the rabbit hole, Josh, with like probably every conspiracy theory that you can imagine. And I've gone through periods. It's endless. Well yeah, and the thing is I often start I'm starting to see that there's some you know, there's people that benefit from that fear. Right, right. And um and so I'm going, you know what? Hey, I, I believe a lot of that stuff. I'm sure it exists. But you know what? I'm not going to be afraid because that doesn't help me at the end of the day. It doesn't help anybody at the end of the day to give up and say, "Oh, the this one percent, you know, control everything and all that." It's like, who cares? <laughs> like, right. maybe they figured out something that we haven't. Maybe there's some things we can learn from them. You know, I'm just so tired of this, like race-baiting and this, this class-baiting of people saying it's us against them. I'm so tired of that crap because it doesn't get you, it doesn't change your position. It doesn't help you, whether it's true or not, whether, you know, there's some people have privileges and some don't. Yeah, they do. Get over it. Move on. You know, Every, everybody can say that somebody else has it better than they do, even the, in the 1% my family only makes a hundred million dollars a year. Well, this guy's family makes a billion dollars a year. It's like, somebody is always going to have it better. And somebody's always going to have it worse. Get over it, move on, believe in yourself, put one foot in front of the other and just make it happen and stop and stop complaining and just, and just do it. I mean, I'm just so tired of the the people that are just, you know, they, they, they're well intended. There's a lot of, you know, there's a saying, I don't know who says it, but it's like, the road to hell is is paved by good intentions. And I see that so much in the mainstream media, especially because the mainstream media has really gone to the left, uh, as far as Obama. And, uh, you know, I, 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 grew up in a left family. I mean, I have a lot of left opinions in a way, but, but, um, I, when it comes to making people afraid of each other, especially when it comes to like, well, you're a black person and, and I'm a white person and you have this and you have that. It's like, who cares? We're humans. I'm a human being. Why don't you just call me by my name instead of calling me <laughs> about, about what I am? Like I'm a farmer and I'm a human. That, that, that that's good enough for me, you know. And let let's work together and um and make things happen.
0: Yeah, it's it's a there's a time of personal transformation. You know, sometimes I think I think where people react. I know where I re- reacted, and and who knows, maybe I still do, and who knows, maybe I still will. Is you get disillusioned when you find out you were lied to. And that's tough oh, to take. Yeah. And what? no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, when I was a kid, I thought my parents were perfect. Um, and then I realized they were people. And you're like, wow, that's disillusioning. You know, here I was. I thought my parents were perfect. <laughs> or when you think, you know, wow, my political party is, wait a second, what's going on? I've been lied to. It's kind of disillusioning. And it takes a little time to, to get over it. But, but the good news is that more people who can live and again goes back to that open information and open discussion that can be super super valuable for people um totally. so curtis uh so you're let's see i'm we're recording this on monday the 26th uh when are you when are you going to be in florida again tomorrow
1: i'll be in okay. florida tomorrow leaving on the 27th i'll be in gainesville january 28th for a free lecture so i think we've got room for a lot of people come out um, check it out That that might inspire you to come to the workshop in Gainesville the next day, which is a one-day workshop. But then I've got a two-day workshop in Orlando, which is there's a lot of information in the one day you'll get. Uh, There's just with two days, of course, there's going to be some more, a little bit more stuff. And then I'm on my way to Long Beach, California. After that, gonna thing in seattle on the 14th of february back in bc on the 21st doing a workshop in Puerto vallarta which i'm pretty stoked about awesome on the february 28th march 1st and anybody can just go on my website greencityacres.com i've got all those dates there and if people are interested in my online course that i have coming up, you know, the basic premise of this course is i want to save you 2 or 3 years of the mistakes i made and get you ahead so you can start making money as a farmer right away. It's profitableurbanfarming.com and they can sign up to the newsletter and they'll get a notification
0: when the course is released. Do you have an estimate of when you think you're going to be publishing the course?
1: Yeah, the court. we're hoping we're shooting for 1 month from today. We're okay. we're right we're in post-production right now. We're cool. we're ed- editing the last bits of video and the the content is is up. It's it's a really cool site. Where you can navigate. You it views like a book with chapters and sub chapters, and then there's you can read content. And then there's videos on how to do stuff. Like I've been filming content for this thing for two and a half years now, so it's got you know tons of stuff in it. And um, if I would have seen this stuff, man, I would have <laughs> would have saved me a lot of time.
0: Are you doing a big like uh, timed launch videos? Kind of the the, the product launch formula? Or are you just uh, are you just kind of doing a simple launch, or what kind of launch are you doing?
1: We're for kind course? of we're kind of launching it. I don't know exactly – I don't manage all – I have a, a partner in, in the U.S. named Luke Callahan, and he, he manages the sort of the production. And what we're doing is we're lo- we're just going to launch it because we want to get this information out to people, and we're going to launch it for a lot cheaper than what it's worth, basically. I I, can't, I don't know the price exactly, but we're going to launch it for probably half of what – it will be over time but we want to get the information out there and we want to get people using it and we want to we're committed to making it better and better constantly and so when you when you sign up for it you get access to it forever so um, we want to make it better over time but I mean it's it's slick like this thing is like I said the, inform- the 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 information is so valuable and it goes into so much detail and you can watch it from the convenience of your own home you can view it on an iPad when you're out in the field and you're like how did Curtis do that thing you know you can pull up the video and 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 watch me do it
0: awesome well tell you what let um Give me a week or two, but then let's see if we can get you back on. And let's you you prepare kind of some thoughts, and let's go ahead and give some info to help you with your course launch. Uh, and let's do another let's do another recording because we, we, it was fun conversation. We kind of got off base, and let's see if we can uh, help you with your course launch because I know for a number of my audience that'll be helpful. And so maybe you can put together some more of the outline that we worked. <laughs> we're going to go with today how to get into <laughs> urban farming and that'll help you get some people in that in, in that course i'd like to i'd like to for do that sure. if you're willing great yeah absolutely josh anytime awesome well i will um maybe i'll see you in a few days if i can make it to orlando i will be there i'm not sure about it it's busy week but uh if i can make it to orlando i'll, I'll be there and anyway thank you for coming on uh i'm sure this is going to be a, a, a hit foot with the audience but if the first one is any indication this one's also going to be quite quite well received
1: awesome yeah i look forward to it
0: I love that kind of interview because it can really be a solution for many people. And as I know from the emails that I've received and also the emails that Curtis has received, it's a solution for at least a few of you. And so I hope some of the ideas, some of the information in today's show made a difference for you. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if it makes a difference for even one or two people, it's worth it. And I know that it's made a difference for more people than that. I mean, it's amazing to me. 20,000 downloads of that show. Uh, it's Excuse me, just under 18,949 downloads of that show, and it's a real good, it's a it's a great one. And so I hope this was inspirational to you. I hope it was encouraging. I hope you learned something. I'll make sure to bring Curtis back on uh, with some of the meat and potatoes, and we'll get we'll get stay away from philosophy <laughs> and try to give you some actionable uh, strategies uh, when he gets ready to launch his course. Uh, I didn't know uh, when he was getting ready to do that, but we'll make sure to do that uh, in the next some few weeks or next month or so, whenever it happens. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you being here. Thank you for the support for the show. Uh, I really value it, and I simply just say that. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider joining the membership program. You can find the details at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash membership, but that is the way that I'm building uh, to fund the show and fund my ability to bring this to you uh, about five days a week, uh, try to bring you straightforward, uh, as unbiased as possible. None of us can fully get away from our own bias, but I try to give you uh, as much unbiased information as I can. And when I do have bias, I try to disclose it at least so then you can understand and you can factor that in when making your own decisions. Uh, I'm not necessarily right in everything. I'll just share what I've learned and why I think the way that I do. And hopefully you can, as a thinking person, you can understand what's right for you. So that's it. Uh, Thank you so much. Talk to you tomorrow. If you'd like to contact me personally, my email address is joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com. You can also connect with the show on Twitter, at RadicalPF, and at facebook.com slash radicalpersonalfinance. This show is intended to provide entertainment, education, and financial enlightenment. But your situation is unique, and I cannot deliver any actionable advice without knowing anything about you. please. Develop a team of professional advisors who you find to be caring, competent, and trustworthy, and consult them because they are the ones who can understand your specific needs, your specific goals, and provide specific answers to your questions. I've done my absolute best to be clear and accurate in today's show, but I'm one person and I make mistakes. If you spot a mistake in something I've said, please help me by coming to the show page and commenting so we can all learn together. Until tomorrow, thanks for being here.